Should you be afflicted with cancer, would you want to be in the know about your medical condition or would you prefer to remain in the dark? With non-communicable diseases like cancer, which is highly stigmatized in certain cultural contexts, the imperative for medical disclosure by healthcare professionals and caretakers is not as self-evident or necessary as it may first appear. Would the benefits of knowledge outweigh psychological costs? Or are well intentions a sound justification for non-disclosure of information? In this episode, Professor Cecilia Van Hollen, a cultural medical anthropologist specializing in research on women's health in India, shares her observations on the bioethical dimensions of cancer disclosure and the debate between universal rights to information and cultural pluralism. Professor Van Hollen is the head of studies for anthropology at Yale and U.S. College. She received her bachelor's from Brown University in anthropology and religious studies, her master's in anthropology from the University of Pennsylvania, and a PhD in medical anthropology from UC Berkeley and UC San Francisco. For her outstanding contributions to the field of medical anthropology, she was awarded the Stephen Pogar Paper Prize from the Society for Medical Anthropology of the American Anthropological Association for the best paper published in Medical Anthropology Quarterly in 2011 and 2012, and her book, Birth on the Threshold, received the Association for Asian Studies 2005 prize for the best book in South Asia Studies. Today, we share a summary of her latest research article, Handle with Care, Rethinking the Rights versus Culture Dichotomy in Cancer Disclosure in India, which you may access using the link in the description box. Based on in-depth ethnographic interviews in 2015 and 2016 with breast and cervical cancer patients and their relatives in low-income, lower-caste communities in Tamil Nadu, Professor Van Hollen explores the various social meanings communicated through acts of medical non-disclosure by physicians and caretakers and assesses the relevance of the rights versus culture debate in navigating the complexities of familial and medical care obligations. Some cancer patients interpreted acts of non-disclosure as a failure of the public health system to provide care and support, while others saw the opposite, locating in such acts a well-meaning intention to protect and care for their well-being. In this article, Professor Van Hollen argues that both sides of the healthcare debate about the ethics of cancer disclosure overemphasize the importance of the content of information that may be disclosed or withheld, and underestimate the ways in which the act of disclosing or withholding could itself be evaluated as a symbol of care. In other words, what is being said or not said may not matter as much as how it is said or otherwise. The demand for full disclosure was a relatively recent phenomenon in medical history. Prior to the 1960s, it was standard practice in North America not to disclose a cancer diagnosis directly to a patient. Physicians would instead seek to bend the truth to assuage fears and avoid the stigma associated with what was considered an unmentionable disease. With the health consumerist movement and the coming of age of professional bioethics in the 60s and 70s, the landscape shifted to privilege the principle of individual patient autonomy. The supposed beneficence and grace of withholding information from patients was thus displaced over time as part of a broader biopolitical shift toward an emphasis on individual responsibility and agency for one's health in Western societies. The National Institutes of Health one of the world's foremost medical research centers that is based in the US, published a report in 2015 to outline measures aimed at improving cancer disclosure communication skills. In that report, 
clinicians were advised to consider the variations in decision-making styles of patients before choosing how to disclose information. But the underlying assumptions about the inherent benefits of imparting information in helping patients gain a sense of control and promoting self-care and participation seem to go unquestioned. Perhaps rightly so, given that such guidelines would probably have been appropriate for a North American clientele. The lack of disclosure in such a climate is framed as paternalistic that infantilizes patients, a violation of individual rights, and possibly an act of exploitation made possible through unequal power relations between doctors and patients. By denying patients access to information about their own bodies and health, non-disclosures are possibly taken to mean that physicians do not trust their patients to handle the news with sufficient rationality, tact or composure. Yet in many parts of the world, including India, disclosure of a cancer diagnosis is often neither complete nor confidential, nor do all physicians in these countries aspire to NIH's guideline standards. Employing what Finkler calls a context-dependent bioethics, physicians and healthcare providers in certain contexts typically evaluate the specific medical, social, and economic context of each patient before deciding whether, to whom, and to what extent medical information is disclosed. The questions of if and how a medical diagnosis is shared could, in certain cultures, be viewed as requiring collective decisions, particularly within the family. As such, the ethical debate around disclosure and non-disclosure seems to be between two incompatible viewpoints, one that calls for respect of individual rights and the other for respect of cultural variation. Whereas the rights-based approach is premised upon the assumption that the patient needs to be in the know to make the best healthcare decisions for himself or herself, the culture-based approach suggests that knowledge of one's condition may in fact cause more harm than good. To consider these arguments as being differentially salient based on culture alone would however seem to be an oversimplification. Based on this research, women cancer patients in Tamil Nadu seem to hold two differing attitudes towards non-disclosure of their cancer diagnosis, a patient by the pseudonym Shalama, for instance, interpreted the physical distance established with her isolation from the doctor's office as a form of emotional compassion, stating, They did not tell me for my own good, so that I would not be upset. It is good they did not tell me. She further rationalised their actions, offering the vindication that they wanted to make me feel courageous, they must have thought it would worry me. To be sure, Shalama is not completely unaware of her condition, when she approached Professor Van Hollen with a medical record book to seek confirmation about her condition, she already anticipated a cancer diagnosis. Shalema interpreted the withholding of a diagnosis as a form of care, and this is situated within the context of her life as a widow and her reliance on a son-in-law as a primary caretaker. She proudly beamed as she displayed the new gas stove that her son-in-law purchased for her to reduce the strain of her workload after she returned home from the hospital after her cancer treatment. Another cancer patient, Maliga, also a pseudonym, praised her son for going out of the way to help her navigate the medical system, and despite having known that she has cancer since she was admitted into a government facility, she appreciated the fact that her son never discussed the diagnosis with her directly. The significance of these gendered relations of care and love lies in the fact that these women could reflect on and pronounce the goodness of their families to maintain social status in a cultural context in which belonging to a good family carries enormous prestige and provides a sense of emotional security. Unlike Shalama and other women who consider non-disclosure a welcome gesture of compassion, many others were critical of government doctors for their failure in disclosing the diagnosis or any related information. The failure is viewed within the larger envelope of problems within the government healthcare system. 
Specifically, perceived dismissiveness and disrespect towards patients who come from predominantly poor, lower-caste communities. This, however, had little to do with technical quality of healthcare services. Many reported being very satisfied with the standards of medical care in government hospitals in Tamil Nadu, a state that is recognised for its successful public health programmes in comparison to most other states in India. The real issue here is a lack of personal care. An interviewee reviewed that after his wife was admitted for surgery, they did not explain what it was and never told them it was cancer-related. In the words of the interviewee, they did not give us the opportunity to talk, they just wanted to chase us out. The sense of indignity that patients perceive arises from their understanding of their being lower-caste and low-income recipients of care. A cervical cancer patient by the name of Vijaya explained that one could only be bold in private hospitals. According to Vijaya, we can say, Sir, do I have this when in a private hospital? You can be bold there, but here, in the public hospital, you cannot be bold. Low-income patients thus perceive the necessity of deference and submissiveness when they are receiving free medical care. One might thus understand why the patients feel like they are being slighted or neglected against the backdrop of their understanding of the political economy of knowledge at work in hospitals, and see why non-disclosures is interpreted as offensive. At a tumour board meeting where doctors meet to decide if patients are admitted for treatment, 15 doctors sat around a long table, talked among themselves. The patients in attendance did not seem to understand what the doctors were saying, since the doctors spoke English and used highly technical medical jargon almost exclusively. At one point, the doctors laughed loudly at a joke made in English that was not related to the patient's case, and the patient looked very alarmed. Aside from the occasional question about medical records, the patient was practically invisible to the doctors and the review process. Vijaya recounted the experience in the tumor board meeting. I was upset because nothing was asked. They were all there talking, but they never asked how I was or anything like that. They just make you sit down and then they have a meeting. The co-aloofness that the medical establishment seems to convey was also reinforced by the long waiting list that patients are forced to endure in order to receive treatment. Should they leave their wards to visit their families, patients will have to go to the back of the line to wait for another turn, prolonging their wait. The rigidity with which the policy is implemented caused the ire of many patients, especially those who lived nearby and had many other responsibilities that demanded their attention. Such practices leave many patients feeling like hospital staff do not see beyond the patient's cancer to recognise that they too are people with social lives, with emotions, with identities outside of flesh and illness. Critiques against government-provided healthcare were largely about not being handled with emotional care and comforted as fellow humans, especially in a time of potential distress and disorientation attendant to their awareness of ill health. Their anger about non-disclosure in this context was thus primarily an expression of their assertion of the right to the dignity of receiving emotional comfort more so than it is about the right to information per se. Contrasting the two attitudes towards medical non-disclosures suggests that the factor that matters the most for cancer patients, at least in India, was the degree to which the act of non-disclosure was associated with emotional comfort and caring or lack thereof. The approaches of abiding by culturally conditioned beneficence on one hand and emphasizing individual autonomy and rights on the other are possibly equally rational responses to the ethical quandaries of medical care, but it is also important to acknowledge that patients in some cultural contexts place great premiums on the emotional experience of simply being cared for.
and this is an issue we should figure more essentially into debates about disclosure and healthcare. Thank you for tuning in to UNS After Hours. This episode is brought to you by the UNS Society for Academic Research and is based on the research article, Handle with Care, Rethinking the Rights versus Culture Dichotomy in Cancer Disclosure in India by Professor Cecilia Van Hollen. For more information on Professor Van Hollen's work, click on the link in the description box. If you enjoy learning about the latest research insights, consider subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week with a new episode. Till we meet again, goodbye.